We're so glad you've chosen the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast today. Up next in the series are the brand new sessions from the 2020 Refresh Pastors Conference hosted each year at the Benedict Castle in Riverside. Our final message in this series from the Refresh 2020 Pastors Conference is from Gary Wilkerson. And the title of his message is Having a Cutting Edge. Be encouraged today. When I was in high school, um, edgy, being edgy, have you heard of that? Being edgy meant something different than it means today. When I was in high school, being edgy meant being nervous, being uh, frightened, uh, being uh, easily disturbed, or even being on the edge, on the precipice of, of losing it. Yeah. Man, he's, he's kind of edgy there. You've got to watch out for that guy. Uh, edginess was not necessarily uh, something that people would say, uh, man, you strive to be edgy, right? Um, the edginess was sort of like, if, if, you, if you're my age, you'll remember some cartoon characters that were edgy. Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Who remembers Yosemite Sam? Anybody? Okay. You're looking at me with this. He's like... <laughs> Yosemite Sam was this little character, and he was like, ah. Uh, another one was, and, and you're not going to know this, but just, just take some notes and check it on YouTube later, okay? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the other one, uh, Yosemite Sam and t- the Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> you, you haven't heard of the Tasmanian Devil, have you? You have. Wow, okay. Uh, he's not a gang member. It's a cartoon. He's like, yeah, he's my neighborhood. Yeah. So, <laughs> the Tasmanian devil was like, you know, he'd spin around in circles, uh, uh, maybe Wile E. Coyote, a little, little bit edgy. So, so these, are the, these are the old school ones, you know. Do you know they, 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 they don't even have Saturday morning cartoons anymore? Uh, no special, like, just only come on on Saturday mornings because kids can watch it cartoons anytime they want on Cartoon Network or the Disney Channel. So it's streamed live at any time. So, so we had that generation uh, where we had to actually wait. Like Saturday morning, Yosemite Sam is coming on again. And uh, 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 yeah, yeah, so all these, all these wild old school stuff. So, that, uh, so ed- edgy. So my high school, uh, we had lunch tables like this, little round ones. And me and my friend Jay Tomlin, we're, we were both... Uh, I don't, I don't even, it's going to be weird to say this, but, but sort of normal kids. Does that make sense? Like, we weren't like great athletes or A students, but we weren't like the weird kids in school either. We were just kind of in the, in the, in the average, we were average kids. But for some reason, Jay and I, we attracted the uh, more unusual characters in our, our school. We attracted the Yosemite Sams, the, the Tasmanian Devils, and... So our lunch table was the most fun table at lunchtime. We had a young man, um, uh, he changed his name. I don't know if he legally changed it, but he, he went by Rocky. I don't think that was his real name, uh, but his, he was a Sylvester Stallone fanatic. And so most of his conversation was lines from the Rocky movies. You know, just like in the middle of lunch, he'd go, Yo, Adrian! Uh, like, I don't know why he said that. Uh, and uh, he sat at our table. Uh, it was, we were in a... I had moved from New York City to Texas, East Texas, in a very small school, and it was mostly like farm people and cowboys, and so there weren't a lot of drugs in the school, but there was one drug addict in our school named Jerry, and Jerry sat at our table. Jerry was, and, and he would ask us almost, you know, once a week, well, you want some drugs? No, it's okay. You've been so nice to me. Let me give you some of my drugs. No, it's okay. We're, uh, and Jerry fortunately met the Lord later on, and... Uh, and quit all that, so that was good news. But Jerry sat at our table, so Rocky, and Rocky was a fun character. Rocky was, um, 
his conversation around the lunch table almost ended up being some, somehow getting hurt. Like, would you rather? Would you rather be shot in the stomach or stabbed in the stomach? <laughs> and I, I, I don't know why. Would, literally, he would like love to talk about that. And, he, and we always say, like, you know, stabbed. And he'd go, no, no, shot is worse. And I go, okay, yeah, like, I'm not sure which is worse. And I've never been, <laughs> I've never been shot or, or stabbed. Anybody here been shot or stabbed? You have been shot? Wow. Did you, both? Which was worse? <laughs> shot. Okay, that's what, that, that's what I would think, yeah. But Rocky thought, I think I got it backwards. Rocky thought stabbed was worse because, like, the knife is bigger and it makes a bigger hole in you. Whereas I told him, no, no, the, the bullet goes through you. That seems like that'll do more damage. Anyway, I'm, I'm taking far too much time talking about. So, so that was, that was, sorry, that was, that was edgy in my generation, being, being you know, kind of weird. The, the, the other guy at our table was, is literally, his name was Shaky, and you know why, right? He just, he shook, he shook all the time. We, we really liked Shaky, we, we, we actually didn't call him Shaky, everybody else in school called him Shaky, we wanted to call him by his first name, uh, just to show some respect, but uh, I'll call him Shaky now for the, for the, base, for the story. Uh, so Shaky, I played basketball in high school, and I, I told Shaky, come on, try out, try and play for the basketball team. It was not, it was not real good. Uh, it just didn't work, I mean, like, you just can't, like, because to dribble, you have to kind of go like this, you can't go like that, so. I, I felt a little bad, but but I was I was glad that he tried started trying things, and so that so that was our kind of our, our, our that that we, it was an edgy table, but not not a good edgy like you would like call it. no. So the, so I found out, unless I'm already old school, I found out more recently this this younger generation has a, has a better use of the word edgy. To be edgy is kind of to be hip, to be cool, to be cutting edge, to be on the front end of things, to to to, to press on to you know so like it. Your company can be edgy, uh, so like you know, believe it or not, I still use AOL.com. Okay, uh, does anybody else have AOL.com? Anyone? Okay, so <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Um, so I still have a Peak Wilkerson at AOL.com, and uh, yeah, so that 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 would not be considered edgy, but it, business can be edgy. Like you got to be like that. Something new is always coming along. You got to stay sharp. You got to stay ed edginess is speaking of being focused and laser sharpness and and creative um, ability to move ahead and to to move things and to shake things and to, and to cut through difficult things. So edgy in this generation means like I, I had an obstacle, man, but I was edgy. I cut through that, and it, and it, it's a strong word. It's a powerful word. So so that's that's what I want to talk to you about. That was a long introduction for me to tell you. What, I want to talk to you about getting edgy. Getting, getting an edge, having a cutting edge in ministry, having a cutting edge in your prayer life, having a cutting edge in the, in the heart you have for God, having a cutting edge in what you're doing in your community, having a cutting edge in the vision that you have. When I hear of Teen Challenge wanting to start seven new centers, that's edgy. That's on the edge of things. That's like, yeah, God, we're going for more. We're going to break through. Sometimes edginess can be a thing that is, is, is to build something, like you're going to move ahead. And sometimes an edge can be to, to, to fight against something negative. And so Teen Challenge is starting. Pastor, you're starting three uh, churches in the next few years, uh, and sometime this spring or something, uh, starting a, a church plant. Isn't that amazing? That's like, so, it's, so yeah, man, let's put our hands together. Thank God for, for the vision. And, and there's others of you. How many of you have a vision? Raise your hand if you have a vision. 
And you want to see it, man, you want to see it cutting edge. You want to see it move ahead. You want to see it break through. You want to see it break bondages. You want to see it cut at the root of the, the axe cut at the root of the tree. That sharp axe is, 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 the, is the cutting edge of what God is doing in this generation. Find out what God is doing in your generation and fling yourself into it. Move with the things that God is moved with. Now, to not have edginess is a, is a different word. Have you heard of the seven deadly sins? The seven deadly sins, pride, greed, lust, envy. There's, there's, there's seven, gluttony is one of them. There's seven def, de, deadly sins is, is what historically, this were invented, not invented, but spoken of first in what was called the early desert fathers. And they wanted to avoid these seven deadly sins. And so they listed them and, and preached on them quite often. And the last one, we have translated in English to the word sloth. Uh, which means like lazy or uh, inactive. But the word sloth actually comes from the Latin word acacia, acacia. And the word acacia does not actually mean laziness or sloth. The word acacia means passionless. And to me, this word passionless is one of the de- seven deadly sins. To live your life without passion is to live your life without fruitfulness. To live your life without a fire in your soul is to waste your life. To live your life without a zeal for the house of the Lord is to live a lesser life than God desires of you. And so we need to have a sharp, cutting edge, edginess, an ax to move into the things that God has for us and not get stuck in acacia, not get stuck in this passionless lifestyle, or not fall back into it, to be passionate one moment, and then hardship causes us to lose our passion. So look, at, look with me at 2 Kings chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to talk about this sharp cutting edge, or, this, or getting edgy. One day, a group of prophets came to Elijah and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Verse 2, let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. What do you see there? Vision, passion, an edge. Like, I'm on edge about this thing, man. I feel like I want to cut through to something. And he says there's a lot of logs there. I kind of like that. It's like, like you know, it would have been easier to say, let's go to a place where there's a few small trees. Uh, but he said, no, man, there's some big hefty logs there. So, so there's a big work ahead of us, but that's where we want to be. We want to be where there's, there's, there's the best opportunity for us to increase the work of the kingdom of God. Let's go down there to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. This is Elijah saying, all right, he told them, go ahead. Now, he doesn't sound like he's going with them, does it? He's just like, you go ahead. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 3. Please come with this, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. Sounds pretty good so far. There's vision, there's passion, there's, there's a, an edginess about what they want to do. <clears throat> they were cutting down trees, uh, verse 5. But as one of them was cutting a tree, there's that but then that we talked about yesterday. Uh, almost every story in the Bible has a, a but in it. You know, uh, uh, and you have to be careful how you say that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, however, in, in, in that... And, uh, but as one of them was cutting down a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. 
When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. This is a crazy story, isn't it? Then the axe head floated to the surface. Bizarre, right? Floating axe heads. Uh, Not a daily occurrence in Colorado Springs. Grab it, Elijah. uh, Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elijah said. And the man reached out and he, he grabbed it. Elijah has been, Elisha has been dealing with, with kings and armies, and, and he's been dealing with major events around the world. He is, he, he speak, he's spoken in front of kings, and, and, and the Bible is relating all these stories of Elijah's great miracles, and then all of a sudden, there's these seven verses that sort of, you kind of scratch your head at the end of it, and you go like, what? You know, like... Really, you spent seven verses in the Bible talking about a floating axe head because a guy wanted to cut down some trees to build a house, a bigger house? It, it doesn't sort of like preach very well, you know what I mean? It doesn't, is there content in that? Like uh, maybe the tree is, are my elders and I'm supposed to cut them down. I, you know, I, you know, like what, what, is, what, what, what is the deal here? So, so I want to talk about four or five different things depending on how much time we have, four or five different things that I believe the Holy Spirit has, has, has shown me about this passage of Scripture, particularly as it deals with getting this cutting edge, being, getting, getting edgy about your life, getting on the edge, the cutting edge of what God has for us. To me, the axe is a metaphor for the opposite of acacia, of passionlessness. The axe here is a metaphor for a man or a woman who has a vision from God And the Acts then speaks of the passion, the power, and the anointing to accomplish the vision that God has placed in your heart. The Acts could be your gifts, it could be your calling, it could be your vision, but it certainly includes the the fire in your bones to do what God has called you to do. A relentless pursuit of saying, God, you've called us to do something, and we're going to put the edge, the sharp edge of the Acts to every tree that stands in our way of accomplishing your purposes. Everybody in this room, here's this exciting news for you. Everybody in this room has a life mission. Whether you're young or old, you're called by God. You have extreme value. You are worth so much to God. He sees you as valuable in his kingdom. And you, what he has called you to is no small thing. And it requires something that is not passionless. It requires a fire shut up in your bones that requires you to say, God, give me a sharp edge. Let this axe of passion, let this axe of power, let this axe of anointing, be so sharp that it will call, it will clearly appoint me to accomplish all that you've called me to. Dullness will not create this. Moderation in all things is not a sharp cutting edge here at this point. It's easy to get worn out. It's easy to give up when things get difficult. It's easy to turn away in fear when there are giants in the land, or the trees seem too big and too hard for you to cut at. Living with passionlessness is living with a ministry without an axe. The, 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 the forest is the vision of the house that could be built, but it takes an axe, an axe of passion and of anointing and of power to cut into the things that God, the resources that God has for you to accomplish his purpose. So five things. The first one is number one is every axe needs an edge. Every axe needs an edge. One of the prophets describes to Elijah a vision. 
of a passion to build a house, a bigger house. Good news. Good news here. They, they're, 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 there's an increase in the amount of young prophets coming to the school of prophets. And, and, it's, and one of them, the Bible says that in, in uh, one day a group of the prophets came to him and Elijah and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet for you is too small. Let's go down to the river there where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with, come with us, someone suggested. And in the Hebrew language there, the word someone, someone suggested, isn't, isn't the word someone, it's the word the one. There, there was one who got the vision. A lot of the prophets there, and a lot of them wanted to help, and a lot of them wanted to be involved, and a lot of, one, a lot of them wanted to volunteer, but there was, the Bible in the Hebrew is so sharp because it says there was one of them. Uh, it doesn't name him. It doesn't show who they are, but, but, but here's somebody who has extraordinary passion, not Acacia, passionless. Here's someone with extraordinary passion. He has a vision, and so he speaks. This, this, one, this one man stands up and says, things have to be different. I want to ask you today, would you like to be that one that has a vision for a new house, that has a vision for new centers around the around the country, around the state, uh, for a vision for new churches being planted in your community, a vision for more uh, people being reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ, a vision for more people being healed in your church, a vision for a more anointed preaching of the sermons that God brings in your heart, a vision for more anointing when you're counseling with people, a vision for the house that God has you to build. Be that one. Be that one that will be willing to stand up and say, I'm going to ask for more. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to be passionless. I'm going to ask God for more. And that's the sharp edge. Every axe needs, every, every axe needs an, an edge. And this prophet has, a, has an edge about him. He's saying, like, there's got to be more, God. You're on the move, and now we have to structure it to see the increase that you want to see take place here. As we're speaking of number one, every, every axe needs an edge. I, I want to just briefly talk about four things that he talks about, about the edge in his life. The first one is, he says, as you can see, he's speaking to Elijah, and, and, he, and he says something, as, as you can see, Elijah, the house we're in is too small. But, but it starts, with, vision starts with seeing. You see something. You, you see, you get a picture of something. It, it starts with a preferred future. It starts with a word from God. It's not an invention for yourself to increase your notoriety, your popularity, your ministerial success, your, your, your being able to sit around a table and say, my church has grown from so-and-so. It has nothing to do with that. This is a word from God. This is a word from heaven. Something you see in the spiritual realm. He, he's not just inventing something. He sees something. And he says, as you can see, this place is too small. It's a God-inspired imagination. The next thing he says is, it's too small. So number one is you can see something. You have a vision. Number two is you say, it's too small. The, the, God, you want to do more. There's more souls to be reached. There's more addicts to be set free. There's more marriages to be restored. There's more people in, in bondage to be set free. There's more prayers to be prayed. There's more songs to be written. There's more books to be written. There's more, there's more conferences to be launched. There's more work of God to be done. And this, what we're doing now is good. 
we're thankful for, but it's too small. You're hungry for more, hungry for more, hungry for more of Jesus, hungry for more souls, hungry for more anointing, hungry for more power in the pulpit, hungry for more power on your knees, hungry to see more captives set free, hungry to see more marriages healed, hungry to see more addicts taken off the street, hungry to see, hungry to see the problems that San Francisco and Los Angeles can't solve, the power of the anointing of Jesus Christ. Christ to break every yoke home homeless people come off the streets and the government wonders where'd they go well we're taking care of it don't you worry about it you go back to fighting with the other party we're, 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 we'll take we'll just we'll solve your problems because we have an axe not an axe to grind maybe but we have an axe to to sharpen our focus and see what God has for us there's, they're seeing two things here. One is seeing the insufficiency of the present condition. You have to see that to have vision. You have to see this is too small. But then you have to have the vision of what the preferred future, the reality of things could come, the reality. And you see this with good leaders. When I'm with, with Ron, it's like, Pastor Ron, it's like, I see. You can, you can hear him talking. I see this center over here in the northern part. I see, I see this crusade taking, you know, just this vision. And this is too small. It's not, a, it's not a lack of gratitude for the things that God has done. It's not, it's not, it's, and it's not saying, like, I'm too, I'm too big a person to do such small things. It's not that at all. It, it has to do with the glory of God that Pastor Ron was talking about. God, your, your glory needs to be mag, magnify your name on all the earth. And how is he magnified? It's the magnifying glass to show bigger, to show the more that God has for us. Now... <clears throat> Too small, it's, it's, it's easy to, for some people, their vision of things being too small is to complain and murmur. Uh, this building is too small. This, the air condition doesn't work enough in here. The, the parking lot is too small. The, 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 you know, the, the power in your sermon, you know, this is not a complaint issue, right? No, this is something totally different. This is a vision and for some, it's very easy when they start to say things are too small, they, they mean it as a complaint. Like, you're not doing enough. Be better. Do more. This is not what a true vision is after. It's, it's, it's an unsettledness of spirit that gives you a spiritual aspiration for something, for greater things to come. Isaiah chapter 49, you don't have to turn there, but it expresses this very well. When, when the prophet is, is, is wanting to restore, he says, I want to restore the tribes of Judah. I want to bring back Jacob. And, and God speaks to this prophet and says to him, it's too small a thing. Yeah. Like, Excuse me? I want to restore the, tri the, the tribes of Judah and Jacob? I want to bring Jacob back to you? And then you're saying that's too small? He goes, yeah. He says, I want you to bring back Jacob, but then I also want you to be a light to the nation. Okay. Vision yeah. usually has a, a, a God-given also to it. Yeah. I, 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 I want you to do this, but you got to add a little bit of that. It's just, and it's always, he's always surprising. He's always a little bit, God is, God is a little bit edgy, if you will, in the new form of definition of that. Not the wily e. Coyote edginess, but the, the, the new newfangled edginess. <laughs> that shows how old school I am by using the word newfangled. So, as you can see, it's too small. The third thing he says here is, let's go. Isn't that powerful? It's, it's not a committee. 
and although committees sometimes are good. It's not a, an assessment plan. It's not a three-year study to the feasibility of whether or not we can build the house God has called us to build. He says, let's go. Let's go. What do you want to do? Well, let's do it. Let's go. Rise up. Let's go. You got an axe. I got a tree. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. You know, it's, it's, kind, of a, it's, it's kind of a sad story, but, but, but it has this passion to it. If you remember that one plane on 9-11 that was moved, that was, they were, I think it was going to try to go from Pennsylvania to the Pentagon, and some of the, some of the young men on that plane, they, they, they got up. They didn't actually say, Let, let's go, but it was pretty close. Yeah. They, they said, we're going to take, we're taking this, we're taking control of this. And they got up and they said, yeah. They said, what did they say? Let's roll. Let's roll. Man, I, there was something in that. I was like, a, you know, I wanted to stand up and go, USA, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. let's, let's roll, you know, let's, let's roll. That, that should be the passion. I mean, we may go down with the plane, but let's, 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 let's go down fighting, you know, let's, let's roll. Let's, let's move with this thing. That's the passion of this guy. I love his passion. There is no acacia in his life. He's like, no, I will, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to cut this thing, man. I'm going to go for the jugular on this thing. Let's go. It's a sense of urgency. It's it, 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 an expediency. Let's do this now. Let's move. Uh, not tomorrow, but today. Let's get involved. That's vision for you. And that's passion for you. That's the cutting edge. The fourth thing he says is we can build. I like this. It's not just let's go. I don't know what we're doing. But he has a, he has a confidence about him. And sometimes fear is often the opposite of confidence. It's, it's man, we, we start to go. We get the ax. We're going to the trees. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the voices of the enemy comes in like, who do you think you are that you could do this? Uh, you, your ax isn't sharp enough. You don't have enough people to help you. You don't have the finances to do that. And so after there's a let's go, that let's go usually gets tested. And after there's a let's go, I, I like this because he says, we can do this. I, I believe we can do this. I believe we can. It's a, it's a confidence in the Lord. It's a building. It's, it's, a, it's a sense of, it's, it's faith. It, you can't please God without faith. It's, it's, it's impossible to please God without faith. And this is what pleases God is when people say, we can do this. We can build. This kind of faith is contagious. When a, when a leader does not have this kind of passion that says we can build, he or she is not a leader. It's a misnomer. The, 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 and, and as the old adage goes, either lead or get out of the way. And, and a leader says, and a leader doesn't say, I don't know if we can do this or not. Who's going to follow that? We've tried it before, but it didn't work. Who's going to follow that? There, there's a bear in the woods. Don't go in the, you know, just like fear will disable your leadership. And, and, and your ministry will go nowhere. It'll go nowhere. We can build. Have that kind of confidence. It shows expectation. You can expect great things from God and attempt great things for God, as Hudson Taylor said. The expectation of what God has for us. All right, I'm going to move quickly now. That was number one with his four added points to it. But number two is every edge gets tested. Every edge gets tested. Edges get <clears throat> tested yeah. as to their strength in battle. And edges edges and, and axes get tested because when they're in battle, if they are dull or if they are weak, they, they are not formidable for the fight that's ahead of you. And so you have to understand that your edge will get tested. I have a, Kelly, if you could bring me my illustration. I don't know why I'm doing so many illustrations. For I've been preaching for like 30 years, and I've never used illustrations. But now I'm using illustrations. You've had you've had a mat, you've had uh, jars, and now you have 
Max. I, I was a little nervous about this on the airplane. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I was afraid some guy's gonna yell, let's roll, and like jump on me or something like that. Uh, you know, or like, you know, bringing it here is kind of scary too. Like, Craze Pastor goes berserk at Teen Challenge Conference. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, but uh, you, know, you know how they sharpen these things, right? Uh, usually it's a rough-hewn stone, and they just keep... Just sparks fly, heat, uh, just... It's an, it's an aggressive thing to, to get the edge that God wants you to have. It's going to be tested. It's going to be, sometimes it's iron sharpening iron, and sometimes it's stone sharpening iron, but, but, but unless you have something pressing against you, unless, sometimes God allows enemies in the land because it pushes you a little bit, it presses you. Did you know that there's, there, there, back in uh, New England when they first started um, moving fish across the United States, have you heard this illustration? Uh, in New England, they were catching these fish that they were very popular for, for fish and chips. And so they're called, you know what the kind of fish it was? It's cod, codfish. And they were catching them by the scores in New England. But people out on the West Coast, this place, this wild place called California, they wanted to have some cod as well. And so they, the, the, the fishermen in New England started shipping the, uh, they put them on ice and they, they put it by train. This is before airplanes. They put them on train over to the West Coast. And people would open up the box of ice and they'd eat this cod. Now, they remembered they had been in New England and had this fresh codfish, and, and they remembered that how good it tasted, this uh, fish and chips, and now they, so they cooked it up, and it was like, it was rubbery, it was stale, mushy, it wasn't fresh, it, 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 it didn't have a cutting edge anymore, it wasn't sharp anymore, it lost, it lost its form of what it was to be. And so you know what they decided to do? They, they, they decided to put them in, 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 instead of on ice, they put them in water tanks, these big tanks they put, and they put the salt water in there, and, and then they put it, so they'd be alive by the time they got to California. And so they got to California, and to their surprise, they got them out, and they were still mushy, and they weren't, they'd lost their freshness, and they were, they, they, they were stale, because they had sat in that water tank, immobilized, not moving. One of the fishermen has a brilliant idea. The natural, one of the natural predators of, of uh, cod are catfish, uh, saltwater catfish. You know what they did? They put catfish in the tanks, these big tanks with the cod, and the catfish, the whole time from, from, the, from, from New England to California, were chasing the cod around. And, and when the cod got there, they were fresh. <laughs> they were tired, but they were fresh. They, they, they were sharp. They, and uh, I heard an old preacher say this one time. He said, do you, do you, you need a catfish in your life. You know? and, 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 and I heard him say, God, God actually will put catfish in your tank to keep you fresh, to keep you sharp, to keep you focused. You might think, God, why are these catfish here? I hate catfish. They're chasing me around. It's, God is keeping you sharp. He's keeping you so that, so that this axe is sharp the way he wants you to be. That's the edge gets tested. I'll tell you, Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, if the axe is dull and the blade unsharpened, then more strength is needed. More strength. Man, you're just pounding away, but that thing's not, it's not fresh anymore. So, so now your sermons are like, oh, I'm grinding away, trying to get these people to say amen at least one time. And... and and why are they falling asleep? There's like, and you're pounding, and, and, 
and you're pounding and pounding and, and almost like coming down on your people rather than simply saying, like, how about I just go sharpen my edge? Rather than, the, rather than expecting them to do something for me, how about I do something for them and get sharper and sharper and bring something to them, a word from the Lord. Less strength is needed when you have that sharp edge. In every vision and every mission that you're called to, in every endeavor, anything of worth or of value, there will be difficulties. There will be catfish. There will be hindrances. There will be roadblocks. There will be setbacks. There will be disappointment. There will, you're not saying amen. There will be challenges. <laughs> Pastor Gary, amen. I heard an amen. There will be losses. There will be sufferings. There will be difficulties. There will be painful experiences. There, there will be things that you, you thought you'd never have to suffer through. There, there, you'll be surprised by the onslaught of the difficulties around you. And you will at some point feel like it's all over. I can't do this anymore. I give up. I can't fight. I can't swing the axe one more time. My, my, it's just nothing is working, God. And you feel like my passion is gone. My, my vision is, is waning. I, I just want to give up now. I don't feel like I can go on with this thing. What happens when you, when you lose your vision, when you lose your passion? I mean, this cutting edge that I'm talking about, it's, it's the anointing. It's the power. It's the presence of God. What happens when that hits a roadblock? What happens when there's a catfish in the way and there's a hindrance, a difficulty? When that difficulty comes, will you give up on your vision? Will, will you lose hope? Will you, will you begin to almost bargain with yourself? Well, maybe, did God really say? That's, the, that's what Satan usually says, but we start saying it to ourselves. Sometimes we don't need Satan to accuse us. We'll do a good job ourselves. Like, did God really say, am I the right person? And so we see that oftentimes the, this thing that was meant to be our anointing and our power and our authority, and our vision, and our passion, uh, it, it gets hard, and, and, and things get difficult. What gets difficult for this one, this one is, is here, it says, um, but as, verse 5, but as one of them was cutting a tree, the exact same word, when I told you earlier that the word someone yes. meant the one, exact same Hebrew word here, the one. As the one was cutting, so I, it sounds like what they were trying to get that the English didn't get to very well, is the same one who had the, 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 the tenacity, the fire in his soul to stand up and say, Elijah, we're going to build a house. He's the one, man, and he's going to swing the axe harder than anybody, and he's going to have more passion than anybody. But it's the same one who is swinging away, and as the one was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. So I don't know if this will work or not. So... Several of you woke up just then. Okay, so so there's the Jordan River. Okay, I'm on the on the banks, and this thing fell into the to the Jordan River. And um, so so the guy's like, I don't know why. I I studied this. I looked at this. I don't know why he says it's borrowed. It's kind of like like I think he has more important things to worry about than the axe being borrowed. Like. You're going to finish the job. But I think that's his passion. I want to finish it. But he just kind of yells out, it's borrowed. I, but, but I need it. I want to finish the job. I want to. So he's not letting, you see here in this passage of scripture, he's not letting the catfish, he's not letting the obstacle hinder him from wanting the thing that he always wanted. No, it, 
it looks really hard right now. His axe head falls into the river, and this, this is no small river. Have you ever studied the Jordan River? It's not, it's not like a gentle flowing, like streams of living water. This is this is thing that they couldn't cross because they would carry them away. They had to have it parted or they couldn't go, th- they couldn't, they're not gonna go through on their way, so it's down, it's in there. So you're not gonna find this because ax heads don't float, right? All right, Are, how many of you know the equation of that one? Ax heads sink and so. <laughs> To the one who is most passionate, the loss will be most personal and most painful. He says the one, the one here. See, he's, he's saying, man, I, I wanted this so bad. And this thing was, this is like fire shut up in my bones, and now I can't move on with it. The one who's half-hearted, he, he kind of goes, oh, nice, my axe head broke. I'll, I'll just have to sit down for a while. You know, I, I don't have... Uh, you know, it's like maybe I'll pitch in with somebody else after they get tired and help them with their act. No, this guy says, no, I want my axe head back. I want to fight for this thing. The one, the one who has a casea, who's passionless, uh, he, could just go, he could just go off and, and, and have a coffee break. Uh, he could say, there's trouble, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. I, Lord, I, you know I tried. You called me to build a bigger house, and, and I gave it my best, but, you know, you should have you kept the axe head on my axe. That's your problem or not. Uh, just real briefly, I, my, uh, one of my worship pastors told me the story one time. His, his, I think he was, his son was maybe three or four years old at the time, and he was coming down the stairway. He comes down one way, and then there's a landing, and he has to turn and come back the other way. When he turned on the landing, there was a towel that somebody had left on the landing, and his little boy tripped over the towel and came tumbling down the stairs. And uh, Paul, my, my friend, was at the bottom of the stairs and caught him just before he hit his head on the bottom of the stairs, and picked him up and said, aren't you glad I was here to catch you? And, 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 he, and he said, uh, or no, his father said, aren't you glad the Lord had me here to catch you? And his little boy said, why didn't the Lord just move the towel? <laughs> right? That makes sense. That's a question we all ask. Why was there a catfish in the tank? Why is there trouble? Why does the axe head fall off? Why, why, is it, why is it so difficult? And for the passionless one, they, they give up and surrender. The uncaring, the uncaring one is, is that, but the, but the one who, who has the most passion is the one who's, who's, who's kind of saying, this can't be. We have to do something about this. We have to, and so he starts crying out to Elijah, Elijah, we've got to do something. The axe head has, has, has fallen into the thing. We, 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 we need it back. We need to do something with this. And, and Elijah, it's, it's really bizarre because you got like 50 or so prophets there. Now, I, what I would have wanted was at least one of the prophets go like, I prophesied that it fell by that gray rock, by that little red trout there. You know, why did they not know where it was? You know, it was just, and, and, or, or, you know, why, why didn't God just keep it on the ax head? Like, you know, the guy had a good heart, you know, it's so why the trouble of this thing? Why the difficulty? And again, for the one who's most passionate about it, is the one who's going to be the most heard about it. If you, are, if you are suffering over a loss of power, I want to commend you. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to condemn you. If, if, it, if it breaks your heart, if there's a yearning in your soul, say, God, where, where is the Lord God of Elijah? 
If you're saying to yourself, where's the power? Where, where's the power in the pulpit that there used to be when I preach? Where's the, where's the fire in my bones when I used to have passion for lost souls? Where's, where's the desire to see sick people healed, lost people come home, families restored? God, where's, and, and it's the one who suffers the most that shows me they have the most passion. And if you are here suffering, it is not a bad thing. It's a hard thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it shows you are not acacia. It shows you have power. It shows you have anointing. It shows you have some fire left in your bones. It shows you have some, some soul left in you that says, I may only have a handle, but, but I'm going to hang on to it because maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe the, the passion could come back. Maybe the fire could come back. Now, I want to warn you because a lot of what we do in ministry is like, the handle comes off and we go like, oh, well, just, I'm going to keep topping the tree anyway. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't have an axe handle, but I'm going to look like I'm still working. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the same stuff, but it's not going to have any impact. Have no impact. Uh, I'm speaking from firsthand experience here of, of preaching sermons that have no impact, of making decisions that have no impact of of doing things in, uh, through the motion and the routine and the status quo we've always done it this way before and it's being like a, a handle without an axe a lot of us in the church today have have our handles but we don't have our, our have our axe we we, we 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 are missing something that God has for us the one he, he wanted us badly and as and the Bible says, and as he as he was cutting at the tree, as as he was cutting, and I, I want to tell you, as, as you're cutting, as you're as you as you're cutting to restore your family, sometimes the axe falls off. As you're cutting to build the church or the ministry that God has for you, sometimes the axe falls off. As you're cutting to see the things that God has for you, as you as you as you're cutting to restore uh, the 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 anointing in your life, as you're cutting to see the the maybe getting out of debt, you're cutting away at that debt. Maybe it's to to, to restore your marriage, you're cutting away at the problems. Sometimes the axe handle falls off. And, and, and don't, don't be ashamed that during that season of loss and setback that you grieve about that. It shows your passion. It shows your life. Number three, you may think you have, <laughs> I like this one, you may think you have a handle on things, but you've lost your edge. Say, so I got a, I got a handle, I got a handle on it. I can, I can do this. Nothing can stand in my way. It's a cockiness. It's not a confidence. It's not a godly confidence. It's a, it's I can do this myself. Having started, I almost could. Can I change Paul's words just a little bit for the, for the fitting in my sermon here? Having started with an axe head, why would you go on now with just a handle? Paul, Paul actually said it. Having, having started with the spirit. How, why would you go on now in the flesh? Why would you go on in your own energy? And, and, and many of us are, are uh, we, we've lost our edge. Uh, and, and, and yet we, th- we think we can handle it. You can't handle it without an edge. You can't handle it without the, 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 the restoration of that. Remember the metaphor here is the axe. What's sunk now in the, in the Jordan River is, is the passion. It's the power. It's the anointing. And, and if you've had a great vision but you've lost it, but there's that hunger in you. Lord, restore that. Restore this passion to me. We have gone far too long without the sharp edge of a holy anointing in our lives. 
We have gone far too long without the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our ministries. We tolerate powerlessness. We accept passionlessness as the norm. We lack fire in our preaching, and we call it a, a handling it. We, we, we call it handling it. There's an emptiness in our praying. There, there's fewer being saved maybe than ever before in our churches. Our baptismal tanks seem half empty, if not empty totally. And we are just lacking and we are satisfied because we still got the handle in our hand. We still got the title. We still have the office. We still have the pulpit. We still have the choir. We still have the worship team. We still have the bulletins. We still have the website. But there's no axe head. There's no power. There's no passion. And God is asking us to do something. Will you, will you move on? Fear says the, the, fear says the axe is gone. There's no getting it again. Fear says it's all over. It's, it's all lost. The reality is finally setting in. I've swung away long enough with the handle to realize it's not cutting anything. I'm not cutting it anymore in ministry. Maybe I should just quit. It's all lost. Uh, I won't ever be cutting edge again. Uh, I can't build, I can't cut these trees down. And I can't build this house. But faith says something different. It says, Elijah, come here. I dropped the axe or it fell off. Why is he asking him that? Because he believes something can change. He, he, fear says it's over. The axe is gone. Faith says the axe is coming back. The axe is coming back. What is lost is going to resurface in your life, in your family, in your health, in your finances, in your ministry, in your city, in your nation. What was lost is going to resurf by the lifting power of the Holy Spirit. God is bringing back what is buried in your life. The visions that have been buried, the mission that has been buried, the sense of loss, God is bringing it back. And he's, and he's bringing back the, the cutting down of those trees, the ability. He's bringing back the vision of the house being built, and he's bringing back, therefore, the ability. I have a word from the Lord for you here in this session. And it's, the Lord told me to tell you, the axe is coming back into your hand. What was lost is coming back. Those trees that you see as part of your vision to build a house, they're coming down. That house that God has called you to build is going to be built. No ifs, ands, or buts. It will be finished. It will be completed. You will stand there one day and say, glory to God. We had a lot of catfish and a lot of fallen axes, but this thing is finally built. And you're going to just say, all glory and praise to Jesus Christ. I'm running way out of time here, but I'm going to keep going anyway because I'm going back to Colorado, and if you don't like it, then uh, uh, you can not invite me back next year. But, uh, but number four, the most important question in restoring your edge is the question that Elijah asked the, the one. And the question was this. The most important question you'll ask in restoring your edge is, where did it fall? Yes. Do you see that question he asked him? Yes. Where did it fall? Where, where did your faith fall? Where did your anointing fall? Do you remember? Do you remember having the anointing? Where did your passion fall? Where did, where did your power fall? Where did your endurance fall? Where did your devotion fall? Where did your first love fall? Where did your prayer fall? Where did your spiritual ambition fall? Where did your love for the things of God, where did your, uh, your desire for the house to be built, where did it fall? Where did it fall? One of the most important questions is wherever it is, is to ask yourself, where did it fall? So Elijah asked him, where did it fall? And he goes, kind of somewhere in the river part, you know? <laughs> 
And so uh, I don't know why I can't. I, some of you or maybe brilliant scholars can answer this question. But Elijah grabs a, a twig, a, a little branch, and he throws it into the thing, kind of in the area where 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 it is in the Jordan River. And all of a sudden, you remember what happens here? We read it, right? The, 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 this incredible. The axe head floats to the top. It's what, what was buried is being brought to the surface. What seemed far gone, too far gone. God says it's not too far gone. Uh, just, just, yeah. just for throwing a twig in, it doesn't even have significance, it seems like. Just throwing a twig in there, all of a sudden, God makes the, the thing arise. I, I, now, sometimes I wonder, it'd be easier if God just didn't go like, you know, bring the axe head all the way back up. I don't know why all the throwing the twigs in and then it floating to the surface. I don't understand all that, except I began to start understanding something. You may think, and this is my last point, you may think your miracle will float right into your hands but God is going to ask you to go in and get it. You see, we go like, God, I want my, I want my, I want my axe back. And that's a good thing to want the axe back. But, but I like Elijah's things. Like, God will meet you kind of, I don't know if this is good theology or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. God will meet you halfway. Like, like he, he'll bring it to the surface. But then, but then he, tells the, he tells the one, go in and get it. Grab it. That, that's what to reach out, reach out and grab hold of it. That's in the New Living. It's, it's grab it, get, you know. Get, and I think that that the the thing I see in this is that God wants to do a miracle, but He wants us to participate in it. And and and, it, and, and maybe it shows a little bit of effort on our part that that there's a, there's the restoration is is something that God will do miraculously, but it's something He calls on our part to do. In other words, you might come to a conference like this having your passion, your anointing, your power, having, having diminished, having lost the axe head. And you might just want God to zap you right now and go like, oh, I'm leaving the conference with all my passion, power, anointing, fully restored. But God said, no, I'll show it to you, but you got to go in and grab it. You've got to fight for it. And so, so I picture this guy going like, you know, they, I think they wore robes then or something. Yeah. I picture him kind of like, oh, this river's cold. And, but, but he sees it now. He's floating, but he can't quite, you know, just, and he has to go in. And he has to go in and get it. And so it's like there's raging waters. There's difficulty. There's, there's like, there's danger in, in, in submersing yourself in this thing. But he goes in and, praise the Lord, he gets his axe head back. He, he gets it back. I call this, you're going to like this. I've been working on this all week. I call this... The second chapter of Acts. <laughs> Thank you. Um, sorry. Like, Pastor, you know, like, you never know when it's going to be corny or whether it's going to have an impact. But, but I, I think the Holy Spirit ministered to me about that. You know, the... That the, that the second chance at a thing is always better than the first. Yeah. That, that a restored thing usually is more appreciated than when you had it at first. Yeah. That, that this, this, this one now is making sure this thing is sharp and it's tight. Yeah. 
and it's and it's maybe he's putting extra rope around it or something like this thing's not it's not going off as this thing's not going out of my hand ever again I'm, I'm gonna guard it I'm gonna watch it I'm gonna cut as fast as I can but I'll check it every once in a while make sure I still have the anointing make sure I still have the power make sure I still have the the presence of God in this thing so so that I can keep swinging at what God has for me you know you see that you see that in all scripture the the, the thing that was lost when it comes home is more appreciated the the, the party wasn't thrown when the son was there at the house it was thrown when he came home. The, it was the second chapter of the prodigal, and it's the second chapter of Acts. So I say to you, in, in, in the last minute I have with you now, is, is if, if, you're, if your axe head has fallen in, if you've lost that power, if you've lost that anointing, falling things are rising again. And God is telling you to go in and yes. get go in and get it. Yes. It's not over. God is moving in the waters. God is making miracles happen. The axe head of your passion, power, and anointing are floating up ahead. Families are being restored. Failed ministries are being renewed. Lost passion is coming back. Lost prodigals are coming home. Churches are being built and sent forth. Missions are being raised up again. Pastors are preaching with the fiery anointing of the Holy Spirit. Healing is taking place as an everyday experience in our churches and in our neighborhoods. The Pentecostal presence and power of God is being restored in families. That axe head is floating. And God's saying, whoever wants their axe, it's time to stand up and say, give me my axe back. I want my axe. I, I want to chop those trees. Stand up and say, God, I'm in this fight. If I, if I have to jump in the river, I'm jumping in the river. I'm grabbing this thing, and I'm not letting it go. You've given me a second chance at this thing, and I will not stop. Maybe the Jordan is deep. Maybe the catfish are chasing you. Or, Wow, I just thought of that old song. The catfish are jumping. Yeah. Old black water. Old black, remember that? Old black water. Keep on moving. Mississippi. Keep on. I'm sorry. Uh. God is saying, God is saying, I'll get it to the surface, man, but just go for it. Give it your all. You want it? You got to pursue it. And that's what I call being edgy. Yeah. Getting the edge back. Get your edge back. Get your fire back. Get your anointing back. Get the glory of God back yeah. in your life, in your family, in your marriage, yeah. in your children, in your church, in your yeah. Teen Challenge Center. Get that fire back in there. Cut away. Get the vision that God has for you and be relentless about it. Don't let anything get in the way. Not a catfish, not a fallen axe. Don't let anything get in the way of what God's called you to. Don't ever lose your passion. But if you do... God says, I'll raise it back up. Just, just go and get it. Amen? Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. Thanks for tuning in today. We really appreciate you choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon, and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every Tuesday. We know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and we're so grateful that you chose our podcast today. Be encouraged.